Thanks for joining us, DJ and PK. DJ's off tomorrow, today. He'll be back soon. I'm PK running the show. Speaking of the show, the man who is literally the show. He is the big show. He's the little show. He's the intermediate show. He's simply the show. You know him as Gordon Monson. Gordon, show us what you got. <laughs> I'd get arrested for that, wouldn't I? <laughs> Well, I, you know, I didn't mean it that way, but of course you would take it that way. I mean, show us your stuff, your credentials. Show us why you are who you are. Well, first of all, let me say that PK is the man, and I got proof of it. I witnessed it with my own eyes. One time there was a gathering, there was a party, I believe it was your birthday, PK, and a bunch of people came over to your house, and uh, this is back when you could do that. And we're uh, this big crowd is there celebrating PK, and uh, essentially the mic got turned over to him, and you should, uh, Yaki you should have seen PK, man. He it, totally off the top of his head. He gave like a thirty-minute, uh, you know, set uh, and entertained everybody. I would, PK, you were on it, man. That, that not everybody can do that. It is a talent, that's for sure. <laughs> it is, man. He could t- one thing PK was born with. It wasn't born with much, but he, he the man. Well, there's two talk. things I was born with, Gordon. <laughs> uh, is everything still intact? A big nose and the ability to talk. Yeah, well, yes. it's worked out well for you. So. Yeah, that was. I think that was about uh, five years ago. It was at my 35th birthday, if I remember. <laughs> Did you say 25 years ago? <laughs> no, I said 35th birthday, not 25th birthday. This is this is one of the interesting aspects to being around for a while is all the young guys who who used to just be kids are now middle-aged that we work with, you know? I don't know why we don't get any older, but they certainly have. Yak is one of them. Look at him. He used to be a kid. Now I'm, he's like. He, I'm in my that, 30s that. with kids. Come on. Let's go oh, here. Oh, man. Yeah, Yak like, likes to tell us that he listened to us when I think that he was entering a junior high or something. High like school. Those. You guys, I woke up to you guys every morning in high school at Mountain View. Wow. Yeah. How would you like going to Mountain View, by the way, at Bruins? Loved it. Did you? Yep, had a good time. Met some of the best people I've known and had a great time all the way around. Did you feel like you were somehow uh, competing against uh, those East Side schools like Tempview? And I mean, <laughs> did you feel? Did you feel? Orem, kind of, yeah. Did you feel like you were better than them, or did you feel like you had to prove that you were better than those rich kids, or did you uh, not even think about that? Let's put it this way. Uh, you grow up, if you, if you go to Mountain View, and all of a sudden you have like a built-in uh, desire to show that you're better than Tempview, Orem, and Timpanogos, and that's just no doubt you're going to go out and prove yourself to them. So, yeah, it's more of a, I guess, an inferiority complex to a degree. But my dad went to Orem High School, so we, it was kind of funny to have all of his kids go to Mountain View when he was a tiger. So I don't understand this because I didn't grow up here and I don't have that knowledge. Yeah. There are certain schools. Now, I, yes. I understand it more in my area here with uh, Brighton, Alta, and Jordan, and now Corner Canyon. I, you know, I have a, a lay of the land there. But where you, what you're saying is that there are schools there that were viewed as 
the richer schools uh-huh. and the poorer schools. Yep. Uh, Tim View probably is the biggest example of that, along with Lone Peak. I and mean, we've talked about the Alpine. So they're area. rich schools? They're quote-unquote rich schools, yeah. So they're, they're, they're affluent, the families, they got money? That's the thought, yes. And your school didn't? <laughs> Not necessarily, I suppose. Yak, do you uh, aspire to be in the uh, the Mountain uh, Mountain View uh, Hall of Fame? I can tell you this much: I ain't going to be in that Hall of Fame because you think about some of the athletes that have come out of that, out of that school around my era. I'm way down that list. Come on, let's give us give us the names. Oh, you got Aaron Thorne, who played for BYU. Oh, great basketball player. WNBA, yeah. Travis Hansen, another former BYU Overrated. Cougar. Overrated, <laughs> obviously. Uh, Satema Nali, uh, BYU great yeah, there. I remember him. Ben Cahoon. Uh, ben, sure. Yeah. The whole Rare family. You can think of uh, Jordan Rare, Tanner Rare, Randy Rare, the head coach down there. That had a whole, had a whole legacy. There's uh, Joel Gardner, obviously, and also some of the uh, – Oh, there's one other family. What's the other name? The Gardner family. And then PK, you've talked about the guy that played in the NBA for the Indiana Pacers. I'm forgetting his last name. His family started at Mountain View before he went to another oh, high school. Uh, Pollard? Pollards, yes, the Pollards. So oh, yeah. there's a lot of athleticism that has come through Mountain View over the years. I think Yak fits on that list, don't you, PK? Well, I've golfed with him, and I know that he can hit the ball a mile. If he can control it, he's pretty good. Uh, someone was on the big show was telling us, Yak, that you're a pretty good golfer, man. Uh, I try. I've been better this year. I've been a lot more consistent. PK, we need to get out and play, actually. I've actually figured out my drive finally. So, All right. As long as you're paying, I'm there. All right. Sweet. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to throw this at you guys. Talking about stereotyping, this is an actual fact and how – you're, you're talking about how schools over here are viewed as on this side of the tracks, schools over there are outside uh, on the other side of the tracks. So I went to eight years of uh, Catholic school, actually nine. If I you thought you were going to say eight. I thought you were going to say eight years of high school. I was expecting something no, similar. No, just four, five <laughs> years of college. <laughs> okay. But I went to eight years, first through eighth, and in every year there were two classes. So you had. Uh, two classes of first grade, two classes of second grade, two classes of third grade, all the way up, right? And what they did, this is no joke. This is an absolute truism. For the first seven years, they separated the smarter kids were in one class and the dumber kids were in another class. And guess which class I was in for seven years? Uh, smarter one, obviously. No, I was in the dumber class. <laughs> what they call it? The, they didn't call it anything, but around the fourth grade, because it was the same kids. I literally went, you know, there was a give or take a few, but the nucleus of the classes. So it's like sixty kids. So you had thirty in one, thirty in the other, basically, right? And it was and the, kid, the kids all knew it, right? By now the fourth all... grade, we absolutely knew that we were the stupid kids. You put two and two together. <laughs> well, yeah, and it came up with three because we were dumb. We couldn't add it up. To... Fair. <laughs> you looked around the room, PK, and said, "If he's in this room, if she's in this room, we're the dumb ones." Right? Yeah. And so we carry that label of we're stupid. Stupid. True story. This is gospel truth that we knew that we were inferior. So I have been told my whole life, 
Son, you suck. <laughs> I'm starting to realize where your motivation for life comes from. Uh, PK, this is, was this was this coming from the nuns? Yes. Yes. Wow. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. A true story here, man, that we were the dumb ones and the other guys were the smart ones. And we went through, by the time we're in fifth and sixth and seventh grade, we knew, hey, we're idiots, man. Let's just have a hell of a time. And, and what we would do, we would have uh, at lunch and recess, we would play sports. And it would always be our class against the other class, right? And I was sort of the ringleader of the dumb kids. And so I'd organize these football games, and then they had a little gym basketball. And we would play, and we would kick the crap out of them. And we would just revel. And we would taunt them, yeah, you're smarter, but you suck athletically. And, I I mean, Jerry Sloan would have come up and given me a hug. Because we would ball like there was no tomorrow. Because that was the only place we could beat these kids. They were the intellectuals. We were the idiots. And we were tagged with that. And we knew it full well. By seventh grade? Yeah, we absolutely knew. We're stupid and we're proud of it. They labeled us that. They set a limit on where we could go. Now, fast forward I'm my senior year of high school, and I've got an American government teacher. And he calls us up towards the end, what are you going to do with your life? And I said, I'm going to college. And the teacher, I remember it distinctly, two words, no, really. Oh, wow. You got the Rudy treatment, if you remember the famous scene in Rudy. Of course I do. Are you kidding me? They chanted PK, PK when I was up on the stage. Nice. The crowd. <laughs> That's brutal, PK. I know. True story. True. Now, they fired that teacher uh, uh, in high school. I remember he was, he, he, he was only there for one year, and he did get fired. And so back to the, high, to the grade school story, what they did for eighth grade is they realized that is so wrong that we labeled these kids as stupid. That what they did is they went and they changed it, and they just went every other one. So they took all 60 kids, they started at A, and they just went every other one. And that yeah. determined which class you were in for the 8th yeah. grade. So I, 8th grade, I got some great grades because I was able to copy the test answers <laughs> off of some of the smart kids instead of the stupid kids who, know, who knew no more than me. <laughs> You know, PK, I got to tell you, I had a similar story in my elementary school, except for they tried to, there were three different classes, and they tried to hide it with this. Now, one of them was Alpha. It doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out who was what meant what. One was Alpha, one was Beta, and one was Gamma, I think. And it was three different classes, and everybody knew the smart ones. Everybody knew the middle ones. Everybody knew the dumb ones. And the dumb ones got the same message that you're talking about. What a stupid idea. What, I mean, who came up with this idea? You might as well take the, you know, the scarlet letter and just stamp it right on the forehead. Anyway, uh, yeah, I live and learn, I guess. And then when my... Wife told my mother-in-law that she was going to marry me. Three words my mother-in-law said to my wife. Don't disappoint me. 
I thought you were going to say, she said, no, no, really. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Don't disappoint me. That's what what my mother-in-law's response when my wife told her that she was going to marry this loser dude over here. Oh, that's funny, PK. You know, it's, a, it's a miracle that you made it through. It's, oh, I haven't made it through yet, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you done all right. And I'm proud to say, and she she told my uh, my wife that I was a a taker, not a giver, which is true. I rarely give. I take most. <laughs> and I am proud to say, and I, I, maybe I'm jinxing myself, but. From the day we were married, I was working at the Casa Grande Dispatch at the time we got married. And since we've been married, I have never, knock on wood, I'm so grateful and humbled by it, but I have never spent one day unemployed. Oh, and, well. and I've changed jobs. I went to three different states. You know, I started in Arizona, moved to California, and then obviously moved to Utah. And each of those times when I moved states, I quit on a Friday and started the new job on the Monday. So, <laughs> Never missed a day. No, no, I, I, there was no time off. Wow. The, the one in California, I, I allowed myself like three weeks, but f- for whatever reason, they ended up being short staff. So the day I quit, they said, could you stay on? <laughs> and, I, and I actually love the people that I work with. And I, sure, why not? I mean, you, when, you, you need- when, you, when you first went to California, weren't you living on a mattress on the floor somewhere in some, uh, some borrowed space? Uh, I, well, it was, uh, we had gotten an apartment and my wife stayed back in Arizona for uh, a few months. So I kept, I accepted the job and I kept putting the guy off, putting the guy off. And it was in a newspaper, suburban newspaper in, uh, in the Los Angeles area. And finally the editor calls me and says, if you're not here Monday, I'm giving this job away. <laughs> <laughs> oh crap. <laughs> cause I was, cause it was like November and my wife was teaching and so I was trying to stretch it to June. <laughs> I had a long way to go. Yeah. And, and uh, so in December, I took the job. And uh, I, got, I went over there, found an apartment, and all I had was a sleeping bag. Because uh, she, she had the furniture because she was living in an apartment in, in Arizona. Well, I didn't want to have her sleep on the floor. <laughs> so she stayed back for several months. And they finally let her out of her contract a little bit short of the time. She didn't work the whole school year, but she did work about uh, half to two-thirds of it. So, yeah, I just had a little – I had a sleeping bag and a little portable radio in my car. (laughs) I didn't even have a refrigerator. (laughs) (laughs) Did you just eat fast food? I used – there was a refrigerator at work, and so I would use that. And um, so I'd put the food in there, and I'd go get it in the morning. And, yeah, so I just – I did that. How much and, food were you storing at work? <laughs> well, I would, do it, I would do it like daily, so no one really knew. No one noticed. And I put it in there, and then I would just go eat there. Yeah. And I, and I did that for about uh, three or four months. But you're young. You don't know any better, man. Yeah, it's part of the struggles of life. Yeah. That's, you look back and You look back fondly. In that, and you think, hey, that that's just part of it. You're young. You're in love. You're stupid. I mean, get this. At that time, my wife thought I was sexy. 
<laughs> well, I've seen pictures of you, PK. You had it going on back in the day. So we're all young and stupid. That's part of the fun of growing up, right? Well, you, it, uh, it's amazing that you were able to fight through the whole stigma that was uh, put upon you as a youngster. Ah, there you was know? no stigma. Come on. You knew just, you had it going on. You weren't worried about some label of being in with the dumb kids. Was, that was, I was that stupid. <laughs> I am dumb. <laughs> and look at you. you know, okay, let me ask you this, both you guys. What was your worst experience in elementary school? And everybody at home or driving, wherever you are right now, think about that one for a second. Your worst experience in grade school. Uh, well, my uncle was this principal of the elementary school I attended, and I oh, happened wow. to get into a fist fight, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> had to face the music with my uncle at school, and then him having to call my parents and explain. So your father's happened. brother or your mother's my brother? My mother's brother. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you were supposed to set a better example than that. Yeah, just a little bit. PK, what was yours? Well, how about this? My nephew went to the same junior high where my sister was the principal. <laughs> now you know why yeah. he screwed up. <laughs> so my sister you know was the principal, and her son had went to the school. PK, I can't, I can't remember what I did yesterday, but I still remember fourth grade sitting next to the wall in the – you know, in elementary school, you just had home room, right? You had the one room, and that's where you did everything. And yeah. I was sitting next to – Julie Bingham, and she puked all over the wall. <laughs> I mean, it's like splattering all over. <laughs> Worst I mean, I can't, it's a, I, can't, I can't even believe I can remember her name. I mean, fourth grade? Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's oh, so ironic that you say that because I remember specifically in fourth grade, I sat in front of a gal. And her name was Cynthia Custer. And Cynthia Custer sniffed the whole freaking school year. She sniffed. Not blow her nose. She just sniffed every day. Six hours a day, I had to listen to Cynthia Custer (laughs) sniffing. It drove me nuts. Now, anybody in my family, my kids... They don't come around much, but back then when they did, when they would sniff, we knew. My wife knows. Cynthia, knock it off. If you sniff and my wife will, if you say to my wife, Cynthia, she'll know exactly what you're talking about. Cynthia Custer, from September to June, sniffed every day in the fourth grade. I have grown to hate anybody who sniffs. (laughs) I don't blame you. I'm right there with you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you another story from fourth grade. I remember we had this. We started the year with a teacher, this guy, young guy. We loved him. He th- we thought he was fantastic. But after about three weeks, he disappeared. He just really? vanished. And it was during the Vietnam War. I think it was a draft dodger. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think he. Somebody got a hold of him and hauled him off. And wow. I. Yeah, and the teacher they replaced him with was this uh, this uh, very attractive woman that we all you know it, it softened the blow a little bit. She was 
She was the most beautiful teacher I ever had. And and look, fourth grade crush. Come on, we all had a school school crush, didn't we? Dog, At I, some went point? To, I I was taught by nuns. <laughs> Oh, yeah. PK accepted. They were were hitting you on the hand with a ruler, right? Although fifth grade, I did have Miss Otlinghouse. (laughs) Otlinghouse. Nice. And Miss Otlinghouse had it going on. But I was in the fifth grade. I mean, the fact that you weren't a boy, you had it going on. The worst teacher I had was fifth grade Mrs. Her name was Offlerbach. We called her Offerblock. She was she was well mean, done. PK. I'm done. This, this woman. She was mean I mean, because she, you changed her name, Gordon. Come she, on. She was mean. We all. Everybody had that one teacher, didn't they? Everyone was scared to death of her. And she yeah, was they were like called this. nuns. <laughs> oh man, Sister well, Mary Corinna, perpetual, perpetual motion, man. She was always moving. What well, was it as strict as we hear? I was. I mean, I didn't have anything to compare it to because I didn't go to public school. I did go to public high school, but I didn't go to public grade school. But I can tell you that I'm very grateful for the upbringing because I needed discipline. I needed that. I needed that in my life. I needed somebody to hold me accountable, and or else I would have drifted even more. So sure, it was st- it was uh, strict, and they demanded, and they might uh, give you a little smack here and there, but for me. It's exactly what I needed. I needed somebody to rein me in because I was I would I would sit there and just daydream all day if I could. I can daydream for hours now. Uh, drives my wife nuts. She'll be talking to me and my mind will be miles away. I'll be thinking about uh, you know the best uh, outfield for the Dodgers of all time or something completely stupid. Uh, so I needed that discipline. Sure, it was. Oh, good. Well, I'm, so, I'm glad. But I, Ian Furness went to Catholic school. He was a younger Ian Furness. So those of you longtime listeners know that he he helped us start 1280 the Zone, and he's up in Seattle now. But uh, he told a story about going to uh, Catholic school, and I think he got in big trouble because he was passing around a flyer as a joke that said something like "the Pope smokes dope" or something. <laughs> <And> <laughs> He got he got busted hard for that one. I can remember that we used to con- congregate the boys in the boys' bathroom, and the nuns would not like it, and they would come in. They would clap first, and that meant the nuns were coming in to break it up because they weren't sure what was going in going on. And so they created a rule. This is a true story. They tra- they created a rule where only one boy could go in, and they made you wait. And uh, we didn't like that. And so I created, I said, guys, let's organize and let's protest. And so we stood outside the bathroom and we started singing. And we created, and I created this song to the tune where we sang to let more, of a, more than one go in. And the song that I created was a takeoff of Let, me, let It Be. And I had the guy sing, let me pee, let me pee, let me pee, let me pee. Yeah, and we sang that. And eventually they said, okay, but you can't congregate in there for 10 minutes at a time. So I broke the union in a sense. I formed a union and I broke it and they allowed us to do that. And that's one of my grade school memories. All right. Well, uh, let me pee. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to break. Let me pee. <laughs> All right. Well, Gordon, he's got to go to the bathroom. We got to go to break. We'll catch up with what we've been talking about. Stay with us. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. 
The Zone honors the greatest coach in Utah jazz history and member of the Hall of Fame, Jerry Sloan. We, along with jazz fans everywhere, mourn the loss of the coach we all grew up with. The man who went into battle with John and Carl. My coach. Who would argue with officials and would call for the pick and roll. Thank you, Coach Sloan, for sharing your love of the game and giving us all so many great memories. Celebrating the life of Utah jazz legend. Jerry Sloan. I'll give you a six. Um, it was probably an eight uh, last week. Um, I've gotten some recent concerns expressed by players now that babies, children have been infected. So heightened concerns have come into the conversation. So I'd say a six. I'll tell you about Swinger Networks. Swinger Networks is home to complete business telecom and IT solutions backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. The voice you heard was the Players Association president, right? That's her title for the NBA and that is Michelle Roberts. And she was speaking of last week on, I guess, on a scale of 1 to 10, what was her confidence level of the NBA returning? It was 8. Now it's dropped down to 6. And she's basing it on players uh, getting back to her as far as having children and whatnot. And I fully get it. I realize, man, it is so simple and easy for me to say, guys, get back out on the floor. I'm not taking any risk. I don't have to go to Orlando and be basically sequestered for however long it'll be. I don't know the format that they're going to have in the postseason. I don't know if they're going to start regular season yet and then go into postseason or they go right into postseason. So, yeah, I want these guys to play. They're, to me, nothing but entertainers. And I want them to entertain me in terms of playing basketball. And so simple for me to get back, guys. But like Joe Ingles, you know, Joe Ingles brings it each week, and he brings it on a personal level. And, yeah, I, I think that even if you don't know Joe personally, now we do, but if you don't, you feel like you do because he's put himself out there. He's made himself – it's really a remarkable story for Joe Ingles, making himself such a part of the community the way he has and living his life almost like an open book and – you know, as long as you don't bug him when he's sitting down and eating and you're not rude, he'll give you time. He'll give you a signature if that's what you're looking for. And you can have that. And you know he's just a, he, he, he prides himself on just being a regular guy. Uh, but when so my point is when he says, hey, I've got a pregnant wife and I've got a special needs child and they have immune system issues potentially and so forth, you know, who knows, a lot of unknown involved in this. And what is best for them, it brings it home, what I'm trying to say. So it's simple for me to say, guys, go play. And I want them to play. I want everybody to play. I want them all back. You know, what I saw that uh, the Women's Soccer League, were they going to have a tournament yacht in July here in town? Is that what I read? Correct, all over the Salt Lake Valley. Yeah, I think I saw it on uh, Channel 2 last night. All nine teams will be based here in Utah. And that's going to be their season? It's going to be some form of a tournament? Yeah, month-long season culminating with a final at Rio Tinto Stadium. I believe July 26th is what it's scheduled for, and that will be the entirety of the NWSL season this year. Great. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for them. Happy that they can get back and do this type of thing. Now, you know, women's soccer isn't high on my priority list, but 
I'm happy that they can get out and play. And it's awesome here. It's going to be in our town. Something that I'll pay attention to because it's going to be here locally. So, of course, if I want them to come back, not to demean them because it means a lot to them and I get all that, obviously I'm going to want NBA and MLB and so forth and so on to come back. I mean, I would even like to have the, the bees being played. Yeah, the bees. Once we get into the heart of summer and we're rapidly approaching, the idea of the bees not being there, it's going to be a loss. I didn't have season tickets, but I did go to games. And I did hang out with friends, or I'd go up in the press box, check out Clowkey in the booth, or Mark Amicone, see him up in the press area, see some of the people that I know covering the games, and hang out there. I mean, I did that every year since they've been here. A lot of us do that. It's fun. Something that we want to do. Enjoyed it. And it's not going to be there. But I get, particularly, if, if you have a problem with these guys saying what they're saying, bring it down to the Joe Ingles level because I think that's the personal level, and that can resonate with me and what's best for his wife who's expecting and his son who has special needs. How would that be? And he said this morning, you didn't listen to it, uh, you can go on 1280thezone.com and and hear the interview in its entirety. All of our shows and downloads and everything are available, plus I I write a weekly weekly column that you can read if you'd like. He said he doesn't, he's probably not expecting to take his wife and kids there. So he's talking about being grumpy. Uh, I get it, man. All these things have to be considered. We know that the GMs are meeting today and the Board of Governors are meeting tomorrow. I think they're going to come up with something. And, and money's at stake here. Let's not kid ourselves, man. And I get it. Man. I'm not going to take away their money. Very simple and easy for me to say. And, and it's the same thing with baseball. Now, baseball... I think it's a bad look on these guys if they don't get back. If they're going to squabble, if the final analysis is going to be, well, we didn't get back because of money and you're being still paid millions, nobody can relate to that. None of us can. Not. I don't think I can. I think most of our listeners can't. A DJ might be able to. That, that's the exception, right, Yaki? He probably can relate to it. Oh, absolutely. Come on. Yeah. Albino alligators, the moat, the yeah, state. stuff that he's got rolling around. It's just a joke. Uh, but the rest of us, like, come on, guys. What are you talking about? Get back out there and play a game. And I, I think that's why people tend to side with owners in this regard because we look at it with players, and you're playing a game. You were blessed with the talent to be able to play a game and you're playing a game that is first played by little boys and little girls in t-ball and you don't want to play the game because you can't get 10 million you got to settle for 5 million not my money it's easy for me to say get back out there and i do think it's bad form it's a bad look on the sport if they don't get back and i think they're going to lose some fans and one of the things that drives me nuts that i keep hearing and i've heard of guys on our station the average age of the baseball fan is 60. Okay, so it's 60. And so that doesn't mean that the 30-year-old then, when he or she is 60, they're not going to be interested in the game. Why are we assuming that? I, I don't The average age is growing. Yeah, they're going to die off. Okay, but look at the stadiums. Look at they're, 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 Their income is $10 billion a year. How are we saying it's dying off? They're setting records every year for the annual income. So you may not be a hardcore.
for 25. But when you're 60 and you're not less as much mobile and you're home more, how do we know that those people won't be more fans when they're 60 than when they're 25? Just because they're 60 now and that's the average age, whatever it is, 50, 55, I don't know, whatever it is. But who's to say these younger people, when they get older, won't grow more interested in it? We're just assuming whatever your interests are at 22, that's exactly what they're going to be at 55. That's ridiculous. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. Sport's not going anywhere. It sets records almost every year with income and how much money they make. And it's literally in the billions. So just because you're... Second highest grossing sport in all of sports, so (laughs) there you go. Just because you're not into it at 22 years of age doesn't mean you're not going to be interested when you're 50, particularly if your team is winning. I mean, when I was 22, you know what I was interested in? Well, I can't tell you what I was interested in. (laughs) So... Because you can't remember, (laughs) or was it something illicit? Yeah, it's we're well, 22, Yak. Come I'm on, kidding. I know. I mean, I mean, even you're you're LDS. You know more than ever, man. You know more than anybody. You people get married so dang young. I Why? On, I was on the higher side of that, but yes, it, traditionally, yes. You were yes, but you hear these stories of guys six weeks, two months. Um, After coming home? One of my best friends try three months engaged for six weeks. Yeah. If AJ's listening, he's probably going to text me and correct me on that, but that's okay. (laughs) And why are they doing that? Hmm. I wonder why. Yeah. I think, uh, and and that's fine. Who cares? Do what you do. In my mind, there's no... uh, there's no one formula for a successful marriage, and what you think uh, this couple is going to be great together, they they don't. Another one thing, well, what are they doing? And then they uh, they are married for whatever. I had a friend of mine, one of my best friends in high school, uh, had a shotgun wedding, and I remember his mother just crying to me that, uh, oh my gosh, this is going to ruin his life. Well, the guy graduated college, uh, became a president of a company. His wife was 18. She was uh, a couple of weeks out of high school. And here they are all these late years later still going strong. So who knows? Uh, who, who, can, who can predict who's going to make it, who isn't going to make it? I know I can't, nor do I worry about that. You hope for the best. So there you go. As far as a couple of things, I hope they all get back. It would be fun to have as much back as possible within the realm of reason as far as safety goes because that has got to be super important. I get it. 9 a.m. Slacker Radio headlines are brought to you by Larry H. Miller Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at lhmdeals.com. Stay with us. We'll close up the show next. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Feedback of the day brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State Street or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. All right, we got some feedback, man. Appreciate those who take the time to respond. Right now I'm looking at somebody named Steven. He tweets at me. We were just talking about players having to leave and Joe Ingles. You know, it's easy to say, oh, guys, you should get out there and play because uh, we don't really know these guys on a personal level. 
not that we know Joe big time at a personal level, but I think with Joe, he brings it at a personal level, so it makes it easier to relate. Because even if we don't know Joe, we feel like we do know Joe because he's out there and invites us into his life to a large degree, probably as much as anybody out there, certainly as much as anybody on the jazz, and as much as maybe anybody in jazz history. Uh, we can relate to Joe more so. Steven says, I have a special needs daughter, and I have to go to work out in the community on a daily basis. I don't feel bad for the players at all. Well, I don't know that I feel bad for them, but when they voice concern about having to do it, I feel that I can relate to their concern. Now, ultimately, they're most likely going to do it, and Joe is going to be separated. See, Stephen, you don't have to go to Orlando for who knows how long and be separated. You're right. You do have a special needs daughter, and you do have to go to work every day in the community, and good for you. And uh, that's great. And you are having some form of risk. But then you come home, right? Well, now we're going to take them and put them on Orlando for X amount of weeks, months. If I were in that situation, I would be concerned about my family leaving them behind. Now, I still want them to do it. I want them to get out there and play. But I want them to get out there and play for my own personal entertainment purposes. That's it. There's no other reason. Now, for others, it's going to be for financial reasons. I understand that, and I'm sensitive to that. Anybody who is losing money, losing your job, that's serious stuff. At no point, at no point do I ever want anybody to lose their job. Yuck. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. I think you do. Yeah, no. Yeah. You, you sit back and you're okay. We understand that they want to go back and play. All of them want to go play. But the bigger issue in Joe's situation is he'd be leaving his family here in Salt Lake City, traveling, with, what is it, to Orlando, four and a half, five hours by plane anymore? Yeah. And you're there for weeks on end without having, being able to see your kids. That's the tough part about it. Yeah, and your wife's pregnant? Yeah, exactly. So she has uh, she has needs that you can't ultimately fulfill when you're clear across the country. It, it's just it's, it's a yeah. tough situation to be separated by that much distance. Yeah, anybody who loses their job, I have complete and total pa- compassion for. There's only been one guy in our media market that I was happy to see lose his job, Yaka. And well, let's put it this way, most of us were. So, feel <laughs> But you're right. It, it's affecting a lot of people. I've had two brothers of my own who have lost their jobs amidst all this. And it's a tough deal all the way around for everybody involved. <laughs> Steve asked me, is that fiddling about, like, Uncle Ernie? Because Gordon was on, and he was talking, what was he doing? Faddling and fiddling? Fiddling and faddling, and faddling, yes. So Steve tells us he's fiddling about, like, Uncle Ernie. What does that mean? I did not get the reference myself. So, Steve, <laughs> please fill us in. Uh, you can hear Gordon. I don't know if he's going to fiddle or faddle today. But he's probably going to do one or the other. Still going strong after all these years. Gordon Monson, an icon in the sports radio business in Salt Lake City. And if you think you don't like him, that's why he's a freaking icon in the first place. Because you think you don't like him. And yet here he is, 20-some years later, with all these partners. I've worked with one guy all this time, and it's been awesome. And I look forward to working with him again when he comes back. And look forward to working with him uh, in the coming years. Gordon has made it successful with a bunch of guys. And you think you don't like him. That's the reason why he's successful. You don't even understand that. All right. Scotty and Hands are coming up next. And then we will have Jake and Gordon at 2 o'clock. Stay with us. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow right here on DJ and PK.